The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So for the last few sessions that I've been here on Tuesday mornings, I've been talking about mindfulness, exploring the Buddha's instructions on mindfulness. And last time I talked about mindfulness of feeling. And um, today I'd like to explore, kind of from a different perspective, um, what is what is connected with some of the Buddha's instructions on mindfulness, the section that's called Mindfulness of Mind. But I'm going to uh, approach it in a kind of, perhaps an impressionistic way as opposed to, uh, you know, like reading the sutta or something and talking about exactly what the Buddha said. So um, part of my understanding of this aspect of meditation, of mindfulness, of, of mind, looking at our minds, is a kind of like with, with our experience, in our experience, there's what's happening. You know, there's what we're no- noticing. You know, there's, there's the the experience itself. And that might be, you know, some body sensation um, of pressure or tightness or heat or coolness. Um, You know, you you walk outside and you feel that cold air right now. Um, You walk into the building and you feel the warmth. Or it might be, um, you know, it might be a sound that you hear, the sound of the trains or the motorcycles or... um, it might be a siren or the sound of a cat purring. I mean, whatever. There's the, the, there's, there's the things that we become aware of in our experience. And those are going to be sights, sounds, smells, tastes, touches of body, body sensation. And also there will be things happening in our minds like that too. Like we may become cognizant of um, um, liking or not liking something, or we might become aware of um, uh, attitudes that we have or thoughts that we have, you know, so our thoughts, our emotions can also be what we become, what we are aware of. The mindfulness of mind, you might think, is is that part of the exploration, and to some extent it, it is that when we're aware of our mind, we are aware of whatever's happening in our minds. And that would include our thoughts, our emotions, our ideas, our views, our opinions, our attitudes. And yet, um, part, I think, of what is being pointed to here in this part of the instruction to pay attention to our minds is to um, not only just pay attention to kind of what's obviously going on in our experience, but also to pay attention to what our relationship is to what is going on. So essentially, with every experience we have, you know, there's what's happening, the sounds, the taste, the smells, the touches, or some thought going through in our mind, or something happening that we're aware of. And then there's how we feel about that, how we relate to that. So every experience often has both of these. Well, I think, I guess I would say every experience does have both of these. At times that, that um, how we relate to experience might be completely neutral. 
which may seem like it's not relating at all, but it's bringing that attitude or relationship of equanimity. That would be bringing a relationship of equanimity, perhaps, to our experience. Could be that it's a relationship of spacing out around experience also that makes us not so uh, um, reactive or, you know, uh, uh, to what's happening. Uh, And that wouldn't be so much equanimity. That would be more not connecting. So that's also a kind of relationship that can happen. So these more almost neutral kind of relationships of, you know, spaced out or not recognizing or not, uh, not noticing and the actual recognizing, noticing, being aware of, but being balanced around it. You know, oh, there's that cold air, huh? That feels, that feels like cold air on my skin. So there's that kind of balance of mind also where it's not, not checking out. But that's also a relationship to experience. Even the lack of a relationship is a relationship to experience. And then, of course, there's all of the... Um, the ways we kind of more overtly react to experience from the subtle to the more obvious. And just simply walking out into that cold air, there might be a little bit of, ugh, don't like that. You know, so a little bit, tiny little bit of reactivity to that. Um, Or, you know, you might um, uh, have an experience, you're talking to someone and... um, and there gets to be a kind of a conflict between you, and there's a, a strong reactivity. You know, I don't, you know, I'm not wanting to be here, kind of wanting to escape or to, to, to lash out. So there might be, in some experience, there might be a strong reaction to experience. So there's what's happening, and there, there's how we're reacting to it. There can also be a reaction of really liking something, Kind of, you know, oh, more of that. I'd like, I'd like more of that. You know, I really, um, that's how it's supposed to be. And, and, you know, can I figure out a way to get more of that or be more of that or have more of that? So all of these, um, you know, that's, that basically covers the range of relationships we have, which is, you know, from the not liking Really, really not liking would be like hatred. Uh, you know that the, the, the far end of the scale uh, would be uh, hatred, anger, uh, cruelty, hostility, um, and then it kind of moves through this neutral terrain where there's the not connecting as well as the balance of mind, and then it goes all the way over to the side where it's like, yeah, I really like that. You know, reveling in almost perhaps even moving to, um, to a real strong sense of neediness, greed of, you know, can't live without this. So the, the range of how we relate to experience is, is along that perspective. Per, per, uh, that, I don't know what the right word is. Along that pendulum, something like that. <laughs> um, Continuum, I think, is what I was looking for. Yeah, something like that. (laughs) Um, And there's an interesting connection of that continuum to um, what I talked about last time, the pleasant, unpleasant aspect of experience. In general, when something is unpleasant, we tend to have that 
attitude, that relationship of not liking, not wanting, get, wanting to get rid of, hating or fear, you know, so it can kind of be that either lashing out or wanting to withdraw kind of relationship. So there's the unpleasant side of things. There's the actual unpleasantness of the experience. And then it moves often actually very quickly from that very unpleasantness into a, uh, a relationship, some kind of aversive relationship. It's interesting, I think, part of the reason why the, um, the Buddha pointed to mindfulness of feeling as a beautiful place to connect with is because of that. It's like a springboard, and it's a very quick springboard onto this reactivity. Often this reactivity is not really seen with mindfulness. It's like we... Um, we notice something, we notice um, we're having this conversation with this person and we notice that we don't like what they're saying and then we kind of get caught in our world of who I am in relationship to that not liking. You know, so this, this um, you know, do I feel like I need to protect myself, defend myself? Do I feel like I need to... Um, you know, correct that person, make sure they understand where I'm coming from. So, that, you know, all of that is in the terrain of relationship based on a relationship to the experience of that exchange. So there's the... So often what happens is we've noticed something, so we may be recognizing, yeah, I didn't like that, but we're not actually perhaps noticing how we relate to it through all of these agendas, ideas, perspectives, senses of, of ourself. Um, so it's kind of like we've put on glasses of a relationship and we're seeing our experience through that, that filter, that, those, that, it's like colored glasses. We've put on some kind of colored glasses. So we've put on like blue glasses and we're seeing our experience through those blue glasses. So everything looks blue. But we're not really cognizant of the fact that everything looks blue. It's more like, well, that's the way it is. Things are blue. And it's, we're not recognizing that that's our contribution to the situation. That, that that's actually part of our own field that we're adding that blue. So the this is that's a, that's the relationship and often our struggle with experience the ways that we get caught the ways that we get uh um the ways that we suffer the ways that we feel stress dissatisfaction unease is related to not seeing that we've got these colored glasses on so we're we're in a, a field of seeing things from a certain perspective from this relationship to experience and we're not aware of it and then we get caught and so this exploration around mindfulness of mind in my understanding is beginning to see can we find ways to uncover not only what's happening in the moment but also how we're relating to it so beginning to see can I check in oh, there's something happening right now. How do I relate to that? What's happening in my mind around that? So this, this um, 
you know, this perspective, these colored glasses, goes again from the range, the continuum of all the way from the aversive side all the way to the really wanting, greedy side through this middle terrain. And um, we can get caught. We can get caught. Actually, it's interesting. We can get caught in this middle terrain as well in not recognizing or not seeing what we don't see. You know, in that, in that um, place in the middle where we're not cognizant of things, we can, um, we can be caught because we are assuming we're seeing things the way they are but actually we're missing things. And other people are seeing things from another perspective. They're seeing different things. And this is where a lot of our conflicts come from. You know, we bring different perspectives. We each see different things. And so when we can begin to, to recognize, oh, am I not seeing something? You know, am I not seeing something? Again, checking into that relationship to our experience. So this world of our We'll call it the how of our experience. You know, there's what's happening and how we're relating to it. And can we begin to check in or recognize how am I relating to experience? And this can be done with a very simple question. You know, especially if there's some kind of struggle or suffering going on, usually there's some kind of relationship to that experience that hasn't been clearly seen. So if we're struggling with... with um, a situation, and we are finding ourselves really angry or frustrated or really, you know, feeling like we have to fix or control or that we really need that thing, then there's probably, so, so there, and there's some kind of stress or dissatisfaction or struggle happening, there's usually something happening in our minds. I can say always something happening in our minds that hasn't been clearly recognized. And so it can be as simple as when we notice that we are suffering around some experience, taking a moment to acknowledge what we consciously feel like we're suffering about. Yeah, what I feel like I'm suffering about is what that person is saying. And then take a moment to step back and say, and what's my relationship to that? I feel attacked. I feel like I have to protect myself. I feel like I'm not safe right now. So to be able to acknowledge, oh, well, that's part of what's going on. It's not, it's not just about what the person is saying. It's about how I'm responding. And when we can turn our attention, recognize, oh, that's what's happening. Sometimes it can be like, I wonder if I have my prop. Let's see. No prop. Okay, I'll have to model a prop. <laughs> so, you know, I've got sunglasses, right? So, you know, putting my sunglasses on, you know. So putting my sunglasses on is like looking through that filter and being, you know, just having the sense of that is the world. The world is that color. And then turning and recognizing, oh, you know, so my perspective is I need to defend myself. That we might be able to with that, recognition, it's almost like we might be able to take off those glasses and look at them instead of through them. With that shift, then that experience of feeling 
oh, I need to protect myself, just becomes something else that we're noticing. And then we may have a relationship to that. We may have another relationship to that that we have to observe. In this exploration of taking off or, or noticing oh yeah, you know, I've got this feeling of needing to defend myself or protect myself. Um, it might not have that sense. I mean, often when I notice at this point in my practice, when I notice I've got some relationship that hadn't been seen, very often at this point for me, there's a kind of a sense of, oh yeah, that's what's happening. You know, and, and while it, the thing that relationship may still be present. So I may still have that feeling of, of needing to defend myself or that, that complex of, of... It's kind of like when things happen in our minds, it's like things get shot out of a cannon or something. You know, it's like there's a momentum to, to what's happening in our minds. And you know, just the noticing that something's been shot out of the cannon doesn't make the cannonball stop and drop to the ground. You know, it's like it's got that momentum. So we, you know, we become aware of that experience of that momentum of that state of mind that's been created and very often they have that kind of explosive energy you know it's like and so the the becoming aware of it does often doesn't simply it's not like simply it's like oh it goes poof i mean occasionally i've seen it go poof rarely i've seen it go poof but you know so often it's more of that sense of oh my gosh, look at that energy that's unfolding and for myself i do often connect to it in an energetic way and for me, that, that's a helpful way to explore it. Just the feeling, almost like that, the visceral feeling of a volcano exploding or the visceral feeling of one of the ways it felt to me at one point. Two ways, I'll give, give you two analogies. One is like jumping on the back of a wild horse. You know, it's like just being able to meet that energy. But, you know, instead of being run over by that wild horse, I'm able to follow the energy of that wild horse. Another... Uh, place it felt like at one point was feeling like I was on the back of a whale (laughs) being, you know, swum underneath the water, you know, just kind of that very intense, powerful, huge energy that I I felt like just like ride that whale, ride that whale. So sometimes it feels like that, you know, that, that the, the noticing of a relationship takes us to the place where it feels like we're just connecting with the, the energy of that explosive uh, quality, like the cannonball. You know, it's like you're riding that cannonball. So you know, it doesn't change your relationship in it so much. I'd say mostly, in my experience, it doesn't make it change so fast that that whole cannonball vanishes. But it's more that it changes your relationship to the cannonball. Instead of like, you know, either being... Um, uh, in the line of that cannonball and getting bowled over by it or having it bowl somebody else over. It, it's more that you, you're riding the energy of that. And that feels really different than being bound up in, invested in the energy of that explosion. So there's a, there's a kind of a shift that happens, at least in my experience. Often there's a feeling of, oh yeah, you know, that's what's happening. And it's kind of like just being really honest with ourselves. Oh yeah, that's what's happening right now. I feel like I need to defend myself. 
And that often, you know, so turning towards that feeling or recognizing that feeling, leaping on the back of the wild horse of feeling I need to defend myself, not to take action on it, but to feel how it feels, to have that energy um, being released into this mind and body. So very often it can feel like you're... um, you know, it's not that you feel like the glasses get taken off and you're looking at them like from a distance or something. It's like, oh yeah, there's that feeling like I defend myself way over there. You know, it feels more like the glasses are still on, but you're aware now that you're looking through the glasses instead of being deceived by the glasses. Instead of, you know, looking at the world and saying, yeah, that's, things are blue. Or not even seeing the blue anymore because you're looking at things through blue for so long that it kind of, you don't even notice the blue. So at least you become aware, oh, I'm looking through that lens, that perspective. I've seen for myself in so many ways, I mean, we each have our own favorite perspectives that we bring to experience. Um, We tend to fall into one of these areas of the continuum you know we tend to maybe be the kind of person that tends to be a first response let's say first response might be to something unpleasant might be wanting to get rid of it or first response to any experience is how can i control it how can i fix it how can i change it or your first response is to kind of orient to what's wrong with this situation Or you might have kind of the orientation of, you know, when you go into a room, and this is our perspective that we bring, right? And and you might just do this reflection right now. I'll I'll take you through this reflection. You walk into a space that you've never been in before. Maybe imagine or think about the very first time you walked into this room. What was your response? Was it something along the lines of, oh, why don't you just call out some of them? Can you, can you tell me? Let's use the mics and let me know some of what, what your first kind of impression was. Anybody willing to say that? I will. Okay. But I don't remember really well, but I, I had been here before when it was the Unity and I just vaguely remember thinking, oh, that's interesting what they did, you know, and, and being a little surprised that that wasn't the, um, the focus. Okay, so a sense of curiosity and... Um, yeah. Okay. And just it just looked nice and clean and I... Okay, so nice and clean and so that was... Okay. I uh-huh. didn't have a big judgment. It was mainly that this, this is interesting what they did and, and I wish the floors didn't creak so much. Okay, uh-huh. So somebody else want to offer... I beat myself up for not taking my shoes off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so how do I fit in here? What am I doing? How do I, re- how do I relate? Okay. Anybody else? Okay, Joel. Uh, so I think this was, was it actually Unity Church? Yeah. I think so, Unity. yeah. Uh-huh. But I and heard it was a church. I mean, okay, is this going to be, is the energy going to be able to shift over in the cosmic sense that this is really going to be great for meditation? You know, how is this going to be to really be a quiet space in the neighborhood and be a place where we can really 
sit uh-huh. And, uh-huh. and then also practice in other ways. Uh-huh. So that one, let's see if I can... I don't hear the the, the filter in that one. Um, Maybe a little bit of a sense of, not necessarily doubt, but just a little light, you know. A sense of, is this really going to work? Is or? this really going to okay, work? Okay, yeah. Um, so I think that covered the three there, you know, the, in, in very subtle ways, in effect. Usually we have a, either a sense when we walk into someplace that's new, our orientation either goes to what we appreciate what we like, you know, it's like what you said, it's like, oh, nice and clean and kind of interested. And so it's, there's a little bit of a, a flavor of kind of appreciation, it sounded like, in what you were saying. And then maybe more a little to the middle, what Bill was saying, uh, you know, the, the, the sense of how do I fit in or what, you know, am I doing it right? That kind of thing where there's a, yeah, not, yeah, uh-huh, that kind of thing. So it's kind of more of a sense of maybe not sure about what's going on. And then the other side is, um, is does your orientation fall to, you know, my orientation tends to be more extreme than what Joel offered, you know. Joel had this little bit of, you know, hmm, is this really going to work? You know, this little bit of, doubt or a sense of, hmm, not sure about this. I would probably walk into this room and immediately notice the stain on the carpet. Notice perhaps that, you know, the, the fla- there's not really pretty flowers here. You know, it's this plant and it's, you know, I <laughs> maybe I'd notice, you know, uh, how bare the walls are, you know, and, and, and kind of get a sense of, I wish they had a nicer carpet, you know. And so my orientation would be more what I didn't like, you know, what I what I didn't appreciate. So we that's my filter. That's my habitual filter is that when I walk into a space, I tend to be I tend to gravitate towards what my mind is perceiving as unpleasant. There's another gravitation that might you might walk into a room and your your mind might gravitate towards more what you think of as pleasant. And the other one is more uh, kind of a, not so much gravitating towards pleasant or unpleasant in the world, but almost more of a sense of confusion. How do I fit in? Where am I in relationship to this? What's going on here? That's more the in the middle terrain, a little bit of a sense of confusion. Um, and that covers the, the pers- that, that kind of continuum. And we, we each all have all of the, those kinds of responses to various situations. It's just kind of a sense of getting familiar with where you tend to orient. You might play with that for the next week or two. You know, when you go into spaces, see what's your first, what's your first response to these spaces. And that may help you to start to recognize what filters you're carrying around. Because I walk into this room and I see the spot on the carpet. Somebody else walks into this room and appreciates the light. You know, it's very different perspectives that we bring that comes from our history. And so to begin to be cognizant that that's a filter, this perspective of gravitating towards what I don't like is a filter. It's not reality. It's something I'm bringing to the situation. Really, really helpful. That begins us to be... To, to help us to take 
at least to see we're seeing through that perspective initially. So that's a, that's a kind of a broader sense of the mindfulness of mind. I mean, there, there's the, the, an event that happens where it feels like we're being launched out of a cannon and looking at our relationship to that. And then there's a kind of a broader perspective that we bring based on our history to our experience. Um, so if you care to answer this for yourself, great. Or, you know, maybe you can generally just put out what your thoughts are in this. So you go into, you're, you're going to a new place or say, say it's people. It's like an evening and you know, the it's a group of Buddhist teachers and you're going to have a, you know, it's going to be really interesting. You're going to have a great time and you're going to learn a lot and et cetera, et cetera. And you walk in, you don't know them, but you kind of have a, predisposition is going to be an interesting uh-huh. evening. So project. first, that, that's the first thing to notice, that right. you have this expectation almost or sense of, uh, you know, excitement or anticipation or, you know, a, a kind of a sense of this is going to be great. So you've got that going. Right. Uh-huh. And so would you, and I'm going to give another example too, but in that example, would you say it's, an, you know, you don't know them, it's kind of like walking in the, this room the first time, would you look at the one Buddhist teacher, you kind of, well, I don't know about that one, and start to look at the negatives, or would you say, oh, I, I, yeah, I read about this one, and it's great. Or would you look at the, appreciate, would you be, be on the positive side or the, the you know, not necessarily negative, or point out? Me personally? Would, yeah, see you personally. Well, um, if, you, if you care to answer. You know, the, I mean, the, the um, at this point, I'm much more in a kind of a more neutral space, and I think that's one of the the benefits of being able to see this. You know, it starts to, um, you know, I, I don't live in that world of negativity so much anymore. So at this point, it, I would feel, I think, more neutral, you know, that, oh, here's this event, and, um, you know, I, if I know the teachers, it'd be kind of like, okay, you know, um, I may I may have a sense of what this person or that person is going to do or how they're going to be. I think 10 years ago, I generally would have been skeptical and, you know, in terms of, you know, the way you put it, you know, oh, I'm going to this event, it's going to be great. My general approach would have been, I'm going to this event, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so so that that's that you know that more skeptical doubting uh perspective with a little bit of you know attitude you know I know about that <laughs> <laughs> And and the other example would be if it you knew it was not going to be such a great evening <laughs> these people like okay I'm going to this party but I've heard about these people and I don't know them but they're not in the same camp as me and we could be some conflict here it could be a difficult evening you know that, that, and whether you want to enter, what you would think in generally how people act. Let's in that situation. see. That's an interesting question. You know how the person, the the person with the the perspective of um, orienting towards the positive might have the perspective of maybe this time it'll be different. You know, I could. Maybe I'll find somebody there that I know, or there'll be somebody there that I like. You know, so that, that they'll put that spin on it. The person who's confused will be more like, how am I going to fit in? What's going to be, you know, it, it's, it's, it's almost more about, you know, inner 
relationship or or just confusion just are not 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 noticing kind of walking in and being like oh you mean there's drinks over there <laughs> you know oh somebody's here that i know you know just just kind of walking in without a so an example on this a, a kind of this middle one is the hardest one to uh to connect with but there are some people some teachers that i know who have uh, clearly said and clearly acknowledged. You no, know, I'm I'm a delusive type. I tend to not notice things. And uh, Sharon Salzberg has given some great examples for herself about how this functions. And so I'm going to use some of her kinds of examples. You know, she said that when she um, um, went traveling with somebody, you know, that she'd walk into a room and immediately her traveling companion was an aversive. You know. And immediately it was like the traveling companion would say something like, oh, can I have that bed by the window? Immediately the traveling companion would notice which, which, um, which bed was, you know, nicer, larger, softer, better mosquito net, you know, kind of, you know, either, either from the greed side or the aversive side. You know, oh, that one's got the hole in it. I don't want that one. I'll take the other one. You know, that would be my orientation. Somebody else might be, oh, to the window, you know. <laughs> Um, and um, the uh, the thing that Sharon has said is like you know she walks into that situation it's more like her friend says oh I'd like that bed and she's like well sure whatever you know it's like not really keying in on the environment too much but more just like um, you know not not really connecting so so well with the environment so that it might be that kind of middle place of um, you know not really being clear about what you're walking into. The aversive type probably would amplify the negativity, is my guess. You know, that's probably... I, I simply um, avoided parties <laughs> for a very long time. <laughs> um, you know, the, 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 the sense of dread would have been probably pretty strong in that that situation of, of kind of just being so certain it was going to be awful that I would carry that sense right into the room and it would become awful. You know, there would be no opportunity for there to be uh, any place for um, a shift of perspective because I, br- I mean, it's self-fulfilling prophecy, really. I mean, the, the, Buddha, the Buddha said one phrase of his that I really love, whatever we frequently ponder, that becomes the inclination of our minds. And so in my history, I frequently pondered not liking things. Frequently pondered, I don't like that, I don't want that, I want to fix that, change that, get rid of that. I mean, my whole orientation was to get rid of the unpleasant and then things would be okay. It wasn't so much about getting the pleasant, it was more about getting rid of the unpleasant. That was the filter I lived in, the, the, the view I lived in. And the, um, you know, the ability to start seeing that the ability to recognize, oh, that's the perspective that I'm living with, really begins to uh, to loosen its ability to to create your world. I would say, you know, the, the, it, it loosens its ability to be the self fulfilling prophecy when you recognize it. Yeah, over here. Just well, my first reaction to the space start as a negative and then shift it to a positive. Uh, mm-hmm. I was initially put off by what I regard as just the bland 
color scheme of the whole thing, the all-white, though I did find it interesting, these little red and blue panels. And then I finally just decided, well, maybe I could treat this as creating what the Japanese Buddhists called sunyata, emptiness. Uh -huh. Just like the... Um, uh, Japanese landscapes often have space in the middle and details around the side. Maybe I could just just think of it that way. And I just uh -huh. focused on uh -huh. uh, seeing seeing sunyata instead of seeing blandness. That's beautiful. I mean, that's that's uh, that's kind of the recognition, you know. So you right. recognize that sense of, well, I don't like this, but is there another perspective I can bring to right. this? And so that's that's beginning to to uh, recognize the view, the perspective that we bring. And, you know, pretend, you know, in that case, it was kind of an active adjustment in a way. Yeah. You know, so, how well, can, can I look I, at this from another perspective? It made me look back 10 years ago. But, okay. <laughs> uh, the other thing is, it seems to me that, I mean, can we switch glasses? Uh, because, I mean, some glasses can be good for us. I mean, uh, like, well, in the novel, The Wizard of Oz, they have to put on these green glasses before they get into the, go into the Emerald City. And the reason they think everything is green is because they're wearing green glasses. And even though they weren't wearing them outside the city, they're, they're still not aware of the fact that that's the reason. Even though they had to actively put them on going through the entrance, they're still not aware that that's the reason. <laughs> that's great. I love it. But, uh, <laughs> but at the same time, at night, if you put on infrared glasses, you'll actually be able to see all kinds of things that you can't see without them. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Cuts two, two directions. Well, so, you know, from, from one perspective, you know, we can look at perhaps one of the things we're doing when we look at this question of what's my relationship to my experience is that we're starting to put on the glasses of mindfulness. You know, that's a helpful perspective to bring to our experience. And we can also put on other perspectives of uh, consciously perhaps put on other perspectives of kindness, of friendliness, of, um, of compassion, of generosity, um, that, that those can also be helpful. And, um, but to also be aware, okay, yeah, I'm putting on infrared glasses here, you know, that to, to be aware this is the perspective that I'm now bringing. Um, you know, if you're, if you're in a state of anger, aversion, hostility, it can be helpful to try to pick up those glasses of loving kindness and look at things through that perspective. But also to be aware, you know, that, you know, if you do that, it can, it can um, sometimes serve as a repression to the aversion that you're feeling, which isn't so helpful for it to just be, oh, I'm supposed to feel loving. Let me, let me feel love to this person. Where it's underneath, it's like it, that, that feeling of being dismissed or rejected or, um, or not seen is really still in there. And so it can be helpful to pick up those perspectives, glasses of metta, as long as you acknowledge to yourself, yeah, I'm going to try to see the other side of this can I hold both perspectives? Can I recognize, yeah, I feel dismissed. And can I also see both the, you know, the, the sense of perhaps, you know, what's going on with that person? How is that, per you know, maybe that person's having a really hard day right now. Maybe that person didn't get any sleep last night. You know, the, so to begin to uh, kind of expand your view, just instead of just looking at things from your own perspective, see if you can 
perhaps take the other person's perspective. That's another interesting glasses to put on, you know, exchanging self for other. That's, I think, taught in the um, Tibetan tradition. You know, see if you can see it from the other person's perspective uh, as a corrective, not to, not to dismiss or to um, deny, to repress your own feeling. And that's one of the... That's one of the um, arts, I think, of this kind of exploration. Because when we become aware of something challenging or some filter that we're seeing our experience through, one of the, so we see that, and one of the responses to that can be, so we see that we have a filter of aversion. One of the responses to that can be, I'm not supposed to have a filter of aversion. That's not good. I should get rid of that which is yet another filter of aversion put onto that filter of aversion. So the, the kind of, you know, fine line we walk is the, uh, the learning that we do with our mindfulness is to learn to acknowledge, to be with a perspective without either repressing it or acting on it. You know, to, to feel it. It's kind of like that feeling of riding the, the wild horse that I was talking about. You know, it's like um, you feel that energy, you recognize it and try not to um, uh, try not to consciously act out of that energy, but also to not try to stop it or, or, or repress it. It's a very, you, you know it when it happens. You can feel it. That's, that's all that, you know, it's, it's hard to describe how to do that with mindfulness, but I do know that with mindfulness, when we bring mindfulness to um, those kind of filters, those perspectives, there's a feeling that happens, kind of a feeling of, um, oh, it's like that. And so there's a, there's a recognition, there's a clear sense of a shift of perspective that can happen, where it's like, oh, that's what's happening we know that when we feel it, but it's not necessarily something I can tell you how to do. It's like I can I can help you point I can help point you to your experience, begin to recognize, okay, when you notice that you're carrying a perspective, how does it make the body feel? And when is there a shift when you go from being caught by a perspective to simply recognizing Oh, that perspective is happening. Is there is there a shift in your experience that happens? So we begin to get familiar with uh, what it means to kind of ride that middle place where it is neither repressing or acting on. It's a th- there's a distinct recognition of that place that that can become familiar to us. Anything else? Any other? Yeah. Sorry? It sounds to me like it's got one foot each on two horses. Oh, that you you have one foot each on two horses. Well, so I think of the riding the horse, the actually staying connected with the horse as the mindfulness. (laughs) Go ahead, Arthur. Um, um, Is that on? It's on. Okay. I I think it is. It is, yeah. It says it's on. It's me. Is it on? So this conversation uh, is just clarifying uh, a number of different things. Uh, 
Uh, so here's a thought uh, about this. Uh, most of these filters, I don't know most of them, some of the filters, we develop them over long periods of time. They're not new. That's partially why we can't see them. We're, we incrementally, Indeed. They, 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 they just grow around us. Like yes. Some kind of accretion from our body. Um, and like most things, um, they protect us from... Or oftentimes they serve a very healthy function mm -hmm. and they protect us in the world, starting from when we're very young. You know, uh -huh. I feel unsafe in the world, so I make believe stuff. Mm -hmm. And eventually that's how I see it. Yes. So when you start to see the filter, it's like, you know, you're out in the desert on a mid-afternoon and the sun is blinding and you take your glasses off and your eyes hurt. And when you take the filters off, a lot of times it doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. So a comment about that. Um, I think it's often helpful in this exploration around these filters, particularly these ones that have been, that are more strategies, you know, that are kind of life strategies. It's really helpful in observing and exploring those filters to begin to see and recognize what parts of those filters are actually helpful, helpful, have been helpful, are helpful, may still be helpful, and which parts of those strategies are no longer helpful. But beca again, becoming conscious. So it may be that the conscious decision is, oh, I'm aware I've got this strategy going. Maybe it's not time to take it off, but to be aware of it rather than taking, you know, trying to, I mean, that's almost the aversive side, right? It's like, Oh, I see this strategy. I need to get rid of it. It's more, oh, I see this strategy. What parts of it are helping me? What parts of it are getting in my way? Where am I getting caught in this strategy? Often we have strategies from the time we're kids that, you know, the situ they were very helpful as a situ in the situation when we were children, and the situation has now changed. Those strategies have gotten embedded, and they're no, they're no longer really serving us. They did serve us, but they're no longer serving us. And so that's another exploration, is kind of almost to appreciate the fact that our, our system, I mean, it wasn't something I decided to do or you decided to do to pick up that strategy. It's kind of like the system in that environment created a way for you to navigate that environment. It wasn't you, it wasn't, you know, it's not self, it's, it's just that's the way the system was able to navigate that environment. So it's almost like appreciation, wow, thank you for helping me get through that. And let's see what's helpful now. You know, is there, is there a way in which this is kind of burdening me now? Or is there a way in which some of this is still helpful and some of it I can let go of? So, um, um, uh, does any of that... Speak to you? Yes, it does. It makes perfect sense. But uh, so my experience is a little bit different than that, though. What my, my experience, so much as it's the same experience we're talking about. I, I you know, I, this is all assuming I know what I'm talking about, um, and I'm not sure I do. But um, you know, as I come and I practice and I start to see things and notice things and I hear talks like this and and thousands of others I've heard over the years. Um, it's not like 
I, I, it's not like my mind thinks about it in a, any kind of logical or coherent mm-hmm. way. I wake up one day, something happens, and like that, something, be, you know, the filter just falls away. And yes. there I am staring at something, and it's a very painful experience. And um, it takes a long time to process it. It does take a long time to process it. I mean, the, the, so you're saying at some point that your, your experience of the filter falling away is one of suffering. That's right. Well, there's two. So one is that, and the other side of that, as I start to see the, as, as I start to see the suffering, and this is very new for me, and it's what I'm most thankful for, I'm also starting to notice that I'm not always feeling that way, and this yes. has come from advice from you and Gil, and uh, that I'm not always feeling that way. And then I start to see, well, some things are actually really pleasant. Let's cultivate those and nourish those. Yes, yes. Um, and that's a new aspect of my life, really. Yeah. Um, and I cherish that. It, it's a place to move into. It feels very positive. Uh, but the removal of those yeah. filters... It can be painful. It can be painful. I mean, Tanisaro Bhikkhu speaks of this, and I don't have a lot of time left, but Tanisaro Bhikkhu speaks of the fact that, you know, the whole strategy that we've developed to find, to, to kind of navigate the world in, in even a, you know, you know, okay, it's not so bad way, you know. It's like, I can get through this kind of way, um, um, we're really hooked to those because they're what has helped us navigate the world. They've saved us. They've saved us, right. And when we begin to see, oh, that's a strategy, that's extra, that's... And, and you know, so there's, there's that whole way of navigating the world that's based on constructing, holding, clinging. And then we begin to see, oh, actually, there's some... There's some um, un helpfulness in that strategy so it begins to sometimes fall away and then we see things completely differently sometimes it's not that it's suddenly like oh it's completely different isn't that wonderful sometimes it's like oh my gosh look at that it's completely different i'm not there is no safety here there is no nothing is permanent there's nothing to hold on to and that can be very distressing (laughs) and so you know there's a sense in which we we come into contact with the truth of impermanence, of unsatisfactoriness, unreliability. And it's like, whoa, you know, that's hard to, to meet. And so, you know, there's, there's a kind of a place where in that terrain that it's helpful to begin to cultivate some of those beautiful qualities, you know, to, to, to see if we can not just immediately go back to, well, how can I, you know, pull my head over the covers, under the covers again, but, you know, okay, you know, this is hard to meet this. How can I bring some kindness to this? How can, so beginning to cultivate some um, ability to, to meet that new situation with some wholesome qualities begins to help us begin to kind of sort of let go. It's kind of like we have, to, we have to begin to cultivate things here in order to really begin to let go of the old ways that we did things. So we begin to cultivate stability of mind in meditation. We begin to cultivate that sense of perhaps peace or calm that can come with with meditation. Or we begin to cultivate 
a new perspective of kindness. And, you know, we'll, we'll kind of go back and forth between our... There'll be days when, when it's like, oh, I just got to go back to that. You know, that's just what feels... I've got to go back to that, that old strategy. That's, I, I can't be in this space of unreliability right now. I just can't. It's overwhelming. And so acknowledging and appreciating that overwhelm, using some strategies, maybe with mindfulness, recognizing, okay, I'm going to put up on those glasses. I'm going to look through these glasses for a while. And, and, and you, you, the, one of the things that seems to happen in my experience is that once we've seen the strategies, it's almost like we can't go back to the strategies wholeheartedly anymore because they've become apparent to us. You know, it's like we know we're operating through those strategies. And so they don't provide the same kind of sense of security that they used to, but we can at least, um, you know, so we're, we recognize, okay, yeah, I'm going to, right now what I'm going to do is I'm going to go into fantasy because I can't deal with the unreliability of things right now. So my mind's going to construct a fantasy and I'm just going to let myself be there for a while, but see if I can be aware. Oh, this is what the mind is doing. You know, to bring as much mindfulness as I can to the strategies so that it's not just um, you know, being lost in them. And we will get lost in them. At least that's my experience, that, that as we begin to let go of strategies, you know, there are times you know, we, begin to, we begin to create the stepping stones that help us to move. It's like, it's like our, 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 we have to build the, the pathway ahead of us to get to the next stepping stone. And it's like every now and then it's like we have to step back to the previous ones. And sometimes it's like we, have, we just get completely lost in those previous ones again. And that's just the way it goes. So um, there are times when we have more capacity for building that next stepping stone and other times when we need to kind of go back and say, okay, yeah, I need to take a break for a while. So... I'm, I've gone over by a couple of minutes. I apologize. So I'll see you in a couple of weeks, those of you who are here. Thank you for your conversation, your participation.